Section two of the Morals, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Morals, Volume two by Plutarch, translated by several hands, corrected and revised by William W. Goodwin. The Banquet of the Seven Wise Men, Part two. Eight. Periander said, laughing, We suffer deservedly, for, before we have perfected our animadversations and remarks upon the latter, we are fallen upon disputes so strangely foreign to the matter under consideration. And therefore I pray, Nilexenus, read out the remainder of your lord's letter, and slip not this opportunity to receive what satisfaction all that our present shall be able to give you the comment of the king of ethiopia says niloxenus is no more and no less than to use archilochus's phrase a broken skeetily that is the meaning is inscrutable and cannot be found out but your friend amasis was more gentle and civil in his queries for he commanded him only to resolve him what was most ancient most beautiful greatest wisest most common and withal and what was most profitable most pernicious most strong and most easy did he resolve and answer every one of these questions he did quoth niloxenus and do you judge of his answers and the soundness thereof and it is my prince's purpose not to misrepresent his responses and condemn unjustly what he saith well so where he finds him under a mistake not to suffer that to pass without correction his answers to the foresaid questions i will read to you what is most ancient time what is greatest the world what is wisest truth what is most beautiful the light what is most common death what is most profitable god what is most pernicious an evil genius what is strongest fortune what is most easy that which is pleasant nine when niloxenus had read out these answers there was a short silence among them by and by thales desires niloxenus to inform him if amasis approved of these answers niloxenus said he liked some and disliked others there is not one of them right and sound quoth thales but all are full of wretched folly and ignorance as for instance how can that be most ancient whereof part is past part is now present and part is yet to come every man knows it is younger than ourselves and our actions as to his answer that truth is the most wise thing it is as incongruous as if he had affirmed the light to be an eye if he judged the light to be the most beautiful how could he overlook the sun as to his solutions concerning the gods and evil geniuses they are full of presumption and peril what he saith of fortune is void of sense for her inconstancy and fickleness proceeds from want of strength and power nor is death the most common thing the living are still at liberty it hath no arrested them but lest we can be censured as having a faculty to find fault only we will lay down our opinions of these things and compare them with those of the ethiopian 
and I offer myself first, if Nilexinus pleases, to deliver my opinion on every one singly, and I will relate both questions and answers in that method and order in which they were sent to Ethiopia and Eritus. What is most ancient, Thales answered, God, for he had no beginning. What is greatest, place, the world contains all other things, this surrounds and contains the world. What is most beautiful, the world, for whatever is framed artificially and methodically is a part of it. What is most wise, time, for it has found out some things already, it will find out the rest in due time. What is most common, hope, for they that want other things are masters of this. What is most profitable, virtue, for by a right managery of other things she makes them all beneficial and advantageous. What is most pernicious, vice, for it depraves the best things we enjoy. What is most strong, necessity, for this alone is insuperable. What is most easy, that which is most agreeable to nature, for pleasures themselves are sometimes tedious and nauseating. All the consult approved of Thales's solutions. Then Cleodemus said, My friend Niloxenus, it becomes kings to propound and resolve such questions, but the insolence of that barbarian who would have a mazes drink the sea would have been better fitted by such a smart reprimand as Pitacus gave Aliates, who sent an imperious letter to the Lesbians. He made him no answer, except to bid him spend his time in eating his hot bread and onions. Periander here assumed the discourse and said, it was the manner of the ancient Grecians heretofore, O Cleodemus, to propound doubts to one another, and it hath been told us that the most famous and eminent poets once met at the grave of Amphidemus in Chalcis. This Amphidemus was a leading citizen, one that had perpetual wars with Eretrians, and at last lost his life in one of the battles fought for the possession of the Lelatine plain. Now, because the writings of those poets were composed in verse and so made the argument more knotty and the decision more difficult and the great names of the antagonists homer and hesiod whose excellence was so well known made the umpires timorous and shy to determine they therefore betook themselves of these sorts of questions and homer says lashes propounded this riddle tell me o muse what never was and never yet shall be Hesiod answered readily and extempore in this wise, When steeds with something hoof to win the prize shall run amain, And at thumb of mighty Jove their chariots break in twain. For this reply he was infinitely commended, and won the tripod. Pray tell me, quoth Cleodemus, what difference there is between these riddles and those of Eumetis, which she frames and vents to recreate herself with as much pleasure as other virgins make nets and girdles. They may be fit to offer and puzzle women withal, but for men, to beat their brains to find out their mystery will be mighty ridiculous. Eumetis looked like one that had a great mind to reply, but her modesty would not permit her, for her face was filled with blushes. But Aesop, in her vindication, asked, Is it not much more ridiculous that all present cannot resolve the riddle she propounded to us before supper? This was as follows. 
a man i saw who by his fire did set a piece of brass fast to a man so that it seemed to him it welded was can you tell me said he how to construe this and what the sense of it may be no said cleodemus nor do i care to know what it means and yet quoth Aesop, no man understands this thing better and practises it more judiciously and successfully than yourself if you deny it i have my witnesses ready for there are you cupping glasses cleodemus laughed outright for of all the physicians in his time none used cupping glasses like him he being a person that by his frequent and fortunate application thereof brought them first into request in the world eleven Mnesiphilus the athenian a friend and favourite of solon said o periander our discourse as our wine ought to be distributed not accordingly to our power or priority but freely and equally as in a popular state for what hath been already discoursed concerning kingdoms and empires signifies little to us who live in a democracy wherefore i judge it convenient that every one of you beginning with solon should freely and impartially declare his sense of a popular state the motion pleased all the company then saith solon my friend mnesiphilus you heard together with the rest of this good company my opinion concerning republics but since you are willing to hear it again i hold that city or state happy and most likely to remain democratic in which those that are not personally injured are yet as forward to question and correct wrong-doers as that person who is more immediately wronged by is added where all fear the law as they fear a tyrant thirdly thale said where the citizens are neither too rich nor too poor fourthly anacosis said where though in all other respects they are equal yet virtuous men are advanced and vicious persons degraded fifthly cleobulus said where the rulers fear reproof and shame more than the law sixthly pittacus said where bad men are prohibited from ruling and good men from not ruling Kilo, pausing a little while determined that the best and most durable state was where the subject minded the law most and the orators least periander concluded with his opinion that all of them would best approve that democracy which came next and was likest to an aristocracy twelve when they had ended this discourse i begged they would condescend to direct me how to govern a house for they were few who had cities and kingdoms to govern compared with those who had houses and families to manage Isop loved and said i hope you accept an acosis out of your number for having no house he glories because he can be contented with a chariot only as they say the sun is whirled about from one end of the heavens to the other in his chariot therefore saith anacosis he alone or he principally is most free among the gods and ever at his own liberty and dispose he governs all and is governed and subject to none but he rides and reigns and you know not how magnificent and capacious his chariot is if you did you would not thus floutingly compare it with our sheetian chariots for you seem in my apprehension to call these coverings made of wood and mud houses as if you should call the shell and not the living creature as nail 
therefore you laughed when solon told you how when he viewed croesus's place and found it richly and gloriously furnished and yet could not yield he lived happily until he had tried inward and invisible state of his mind for a man's felicity consists not in the outward and visible favours and blessings of fortune but in the inward and unseen perfections and riches of the mind and you seem to have forgot your own fable of the fox who contending with the leopard as to which was beset with more colours and spots and having referred the matter in controversy to the arbitration of an empire desired him to consider not so much the outside as the inside for saith he i have more various and different fetches and tricks in my mind than he has marks or spots in his body you regard only the handiwork of carpenters and masons and stone-cutters and call this a house not what one hath within his children his wife his friends and attendants with whom if a man lived in an emmet's bed or a bird's nest enjoying in common the ordinary comforts of life this man may be affirmed to live a happy and a fortunate life this is the answer i purpose to return Aesop, quoth anacarsis and i tender it to diocles as my share in this discourse only let the rest give in their opinions if they please Solon thought that house most happy where the estate was got without injustice kept without distrust and spent without repentance Bias said that house is happy where the master does freely and voluntarily at home what the law compels him to do abroad. Thales held that house most happy where the master had most leisure and respite from business. Cleobulus said that in which the master is more beloved than feared. Pittacus said that is most happy where superfluities are not required and necessaries are not wanting kilo added that house is most happy where the master rules as a monarch in his kingdom and he proceeded when a certain lacedaemonian desired lycurgus to establish a democracy in the city go you friend reply he and try the experiment first in your own house thirteen when they had all given in their opinions upon this point eumetis and melissa withdrew then periander called for a large bowl full of wine and drank to kilo and kilo likewise drank to bias ardalus then standing up called to Aesop and said will you not hand the cup to your friends at this end of the table when you behold those persons there swilling up all that good liquor and imparting none to us here as if the cup were that of bethiclus but this cup quoth Aesop, is no public cup it hath stood so long by solon's trenchard then pittacus called to mnesiphilus why said he does not solon drink but act in contradiction to his own verses i love that ruby god whose blessings flow in tides to recreate my thirsty moe venus i court the muses i adore who give us wine and pleasures evermore and a cause is subjoined he fears your severe law my friend pittacus wherein your decreed the drunkard a double punishment you seem said pittacus a little to fear the penalty who have aventured heretofore and now again before my face to break that law and to demand a crown for the reward of your debauch why not quoth an when there is a reward promised to the hardest drinker 
why should i not demand my reward having drunk down all my fellows or inform me of any other and men drive at in drinking much wine but to be drunk pittacus laughed at this reply and Aesop told them this fable the wolf seeing a parcel of shepherds in their both feeding upon a lamb approaching near them what a bustle and noise and uproar would you have made said he if i had but done what you do kilo said Aesop hath very justly revenged himself upon us who a while ago stopped his mouth now he observes how we prevented mnesiphilus's discourse when the question was put why solon did not drink up his wine mnesiphilus then spake to this effect i know this to be the opinion of solon that in every art and faculty divine and human the work which is done is more desired than the instrument wherewith it is done and the end than the means conducing to that end as for instance whoever thinks a cloak or coat more properly his work than the ordering of his shuttles or the diverse motions of his beams a smith minds the soldering of his irons and the sharpening of the axe more than those little things preparatory to these main matters as the kindling of the coals and getting ready the stone dust yet father a carpenter would justly blame us if we should affirm it is not his work to build houses or ships but to bore holes or to make mortar and the muses will be implacably incensed with him that shall say their business is only to make harps pipes and such musical instruments not the institution and correction of manners and the government of those men's passions who are lovers of singing and masters of music an agreeably copulation is not the work of venus nor is drunkness that of bacchus but love and friendship affection and familiarity which are begot and improved by the means of these solon terms these works divine and he professes he loves and now prosecutes them in his cleaning ears as vigorously as ever in his youthful days then mutual love between man and wife is the work of venus the greatness of the pleasure affecting their bodies mixes and melts their very souls divers others having little or no acquaintance before have yet contracted a firm and lasting friendship over a glass of wine which like fire softened and melted their tempers and disposed them for a happy union but in such a company and of such men as periander hath invited there is no need of can and chalice but the muses themselves throwing a subject of discourse among you as it were a sober cup wherein is contained much of the light and drollery and seriousness too do hereby provoke nourish and increase friendship among you suffering the can to rest quietly upon the bowel contrary to the rude which hesiod gives for those who have more skill for caressing than for discoursing though all the rest with stated rules we bound unmixed unmeasured are the goblets crowned for it was the old greek way as homer here tells us to drink one to another in course and order so ajax gave a share of his meat to his next neighbour when nesiphilus had discoursed after this manner in comes curseus the poet whom periander had lately pardoned and received into favour upon Chilus' meditation saith curseus 
does not jupiter distribute to the gods their proportion and dividend sparingly and severally as agamemnon did to his commanders when his guests drank to one another if o Curseus, quoth cleodemus as you narrate certain doves bring him his ambrosia every meal flying with a world of hardship through the rocks called plancte or wandering can you blame him for his sparingness and frugality and dealing out to his guests by measure fourteen i am satisfied quoth curseus and since we are fallen upon our oldest cause of housekeeping which of the company can remember what remains to be said thereof there remains if i mistake not to show what that measure is which may content any man cleobulus answered the law has prescribed a measure for wise men but as touching fools i will tell you a story i once heard my mother relate to my brother on a certain time the moon begged of her mother a coat that would fit her how can that be done quoth the mother for sometimes you are a fool sometimes the one half of you seems lost and perished sometimes only a pair of horns appear so my curseus to the desires of a foolish moderate man no certain measure can be fitted for according to the ebbing and flowings of his lust and appetite and the frequent or seldom casualties that befall him accordingly his necessities ebb or flow not unlike aesop's dog who being pinched and ready to starve with cold in winter was of mind to build himself a house but when the summer came on he lay all along upon the ground and stretching himself in the sun thought himself monstrous big and thought it a needless thing and besides no small piece of work to build him a house proportionable to that bulk and bigness and do you not observe o curseus continues he many poor men how one while they pinch their bellies upon what short commons they live how sparing and niggardly and miserable they are and another while you may observe the same men as distrustful and covetous withal as if the plenty of city and country the riches of king and kingdom were not sufficient to preserve them from want and beggary when Curseus had concluded his discourse, Cleodemus began thus, We see you that are wise men possessing these outward goods after an unequal manner. Good, sweet sir, answered Cleobulus, the low weaver like hath distributed to every man a fitting, decent, adequate proportion, and in your profession your reason does what the low does here. When you feed or diet or physic your patient, you give not an equal quantity to all, but what you judge to be convenient for each in his circumstances adelus inquires i pray what a law compels our friend and solace host epimenides to abstain from all other victuals and to content himself with a little composition of his own which the greeks call alimos hunger relieving this he takes into his mouth and chews and eats neither dinner nor supper this instance obliged the whole company to be a little while silent until thales in a jesting way replied that epimenides did very wisely for hereby he saved the trouble and charge of grinding and boiling his food as pittacus did i myself sojourning at lesbos overheard my landlady as she was very busy at her handmill singing as she used to do at her work 
grind mill grind mill for even pitacus the prince of great mitylene grinds ali mila ali kegar pitacos ali megalas mitilanas vasilevon quoth solon odorus i wonder you have not read the law of epimenides's frugality in hesiod's writings who prescribes him and others this fair diet for he was the person that gratified epimenides with the seeds of this nutriment when he directed him to inquire how great benefit men might receive by mellows and asphodel do you believe said periander that hesiod meant this literally or rather that being himself a great admirer of parsimony he hereby intended to exhort men to use mean and spare diet as most helpful and pleasant for the chewing of mallows is very wholesome and the stalk of asphodel is very luscious but this expeller of hunger and thirst i take to be a rather physic than natural food consisting of honey and i know not what barbarian cheese and of many and costly seeds fetched from foreign parts if to make up this composition so many ingredients were requisite and so difficult to come by and so expensive hesiod might as well have kept his breath to cool his pottage and never blessed the world with the discovery and yet i admire how your host when he went to perform the great purification for the delians not long since could overlook the monuments and patterns of the first element which the people brought into the temple and among other cheap fruits such as grow of themselves the mallows and the asphodel the usefulness and innocency whereof his it seemed in his work to magnify not only that quoth anacarsis but he affirms both plants to be great restoratives you are in the right quoth cleodemus for it is evident hesiod was no ordinary physician who could discourse so learnedly and judiciously of diet of the nature of wines and of the virtue of waters and baths and of women the proper times for procreation and the sight and position of infants in the womb insomuch that as i take it Aesop deserves much more the name of hesiod's scholar and disciple than epimenides whose great and excellent wisdom the fable of the nightingale and hawk demonstrates but i will gladly hear solon's opinion in this matter for having sojourned long at athens and being familiarly acquainted with epimenides it is more than probable he might learn of him the grounds upon which he accustomed himself to so spare a diet fifteen to what purpose said solon should i trouble him or myself to make inquiry in a matter so plain for if it be a blessing next to the greatest to need little victuals then it is the greatest felicity to need none at all if i may have leave to deliver my opinion quoth cleodemus i must profess myself of a different judgment especially now we sit at table for as soon as the meat is taken away we have removed what belongs to those gods that are the patrons of friendship and hospitality as upon the removal of the earth 
equals sales there must needs follow an universal confusion of all things so in forbidding men meet there must needs follow the dispersion and dissolution of the family the sacred fire the cups the feasts and the entertainments which are the principal and most innocent diversions of mankind and so all the comforts of society are at the end for to men of business some recreation is necessary and the preparation and use of victuals conduces much thereunto again to be without victuals will tend to the destruction of husbandry for want whereof the earth will soon be overgrown with weeds and through the sloth of man overflowed with waters and together with these all arts will fail which are supported and encouraged hereby nay more take away hospitality and the use of victuals and the worship and honour of the gods will sink and perish the sun will have but small and the moon yet smaller reverence if they afford men only light and heat and who will build an altar or offer sacrifice to jupiter pluvius or to ceres the patroness of husbandmen or to neptune the preserver of plants and trees or how can bacchus be any longer termed the donor of all good things if men make no farther use of the good things he gives what shall men sacrifice what first fruits shall they offer in short the subversion and confusion of the greatest blessings attend this opinion promiscuously and indefatigably to pursue all sorts of pleasures i own to be brutish and to avoid all with a suitable aversion equally blockish let the mind then freely enjoy such pleasures as are agreeable to its nature and temper but for the body there is certainly no pleasure more harmless and commendable and fitting than that which springs from a plentiful table which is granted by all men for placing this in the middle men converse with one another and share in the provision as to the pleasures of the bed men use these in the dark repeating the use thereof no less shameful and beastly than the total disuse of the pleasures of the table cleodemus having finished this long harangue i began to this effect you omit one thing my friend how they that decry food decry sleep too and they that declaim against sleep declaim against dreams in the same breath and so destroy the primitive and ancient way of divination add to this that our whole life will be of one form and fashion and our soul enclosed in a body to no purpose many and those the principal parts thereof are naturally so formed and fashioned as to be organs of nutriment so the tongue the teeth the stomach and the liver whereof none are idle none framed for other use so that whosoever hath no need of nutriment has no need of his body that is in other words no man hath any need of himself for every man hath a body of his own this i have thought fit to offer in vindication of our bellies if solon or any other has anything to object to what i have said i am willing to hear him and our section two of the morals volume two the banquet of the seven wise men